0: With the first pick.
1: Welcome to the first ever episode of the Daft On Draft podcast. I am one of the co-hosts, Corey Kinnon, uh, and I'm here with my other co-host, Devin Jackson. This has been a long time in the making we started a podcast two years ago some professional developments got in the way we got one episode in had to can it two years later here we are Devin how does it feel to finally be back
0: well man we gotta give the people what they want this is uh this, this is a uh, combination that I've been looking forward to and uh as we've uh you know announced that we're we're starting this back up. Everyone seems to be excited as well. So like I told you, you know, all fair and and just leading up to this, uh I love talking ball, you love talking ball. I I think, you know, it's it's going to be I I'm, I'm not going to even like, you know, compare it to like some other ones, but I think this one is is going to be unique because like we both see the game differently and but at the same time we have kind of that same drive to create the unique content the content that people want to see you know we you know get straight to the point we're not fluffing you know it's it's just straight ball talk when you know whenever we log on to social media and just just talk about the NFL draft so super excited to, to get this back going and uh you know it's, it's been a couple months for me since I've done the podcast man um you know did the one with uh my for a while but but he stepped away from uh you know covering football and and really since then I just kind of been flowing in the ether so it's it's nice to like yeah
1: and what a better time to do it than than conference championship weekend so again we 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 discuss like oh well, when's the best time to launch this thing you know this was a few weeks ago and you know it just turns out you know when when the draft when when the weather turns cold the draft starts ticking out the, the draft starts warming up so uh what better time to start than the conference championships weekends we've got quite a few big games Uh, And what better way to start by talking about those games than to talk about the playoff selection committee and kind of the leveraging I think they did with with five and six Ohio State Alabama, but also what it means for TCU, uh, what it means for USC, two teams who, you know, haven't been to the playoffs before um, now
0: control their own destiny. Yeah, it's you know, the, the committee has an agenda and they're they're going to get the teams that they want in even if the resume doesn't necessarily match uh, the ranking so I'm not surprised that Bama' is at six I would say at five makes sense you know they you know were the number two team going in into that game against Michigan and and they lost so it makes sense they moved down a couple of spots but man Alabama at six is it's it's certainly hinting towards a, a big move coming in TCU or USC or or maybe even both end up losing on saturday so i understand it you know what they they're not hiding it i'm glad i'm happy that they're they're finally kind of owning up to admitting that they have their own inherent inherent biases but for usc and tcu makes the the pressure even uh mount even more because they tcu could you know they're looking to go undefeated they only will have one loss but yet they are going to be on outside looking in if they lose. And then you look at USC already lost to Utah this year. I think the committee, if USC, I think if USC came into this weekend undefeated, I think there's probably a good chance they still make it in if they lost. But, you know, they lost to Utah already, losing to them twice. That obviously will eliminate them as well. But, man, I I want to see Kayla Williams ball, man. I, I want to mm-hmm. see him in that playoff atmosphere and, and, I'm already dreaming of a Michigan versus USC scenario where you have Mike Morris chasing around Kayla Williams. Uh, you you have JJ McCarthy trying to go toe to toe. I mean, that's that's a fascinating matchup, potential matchup. Assuming everything runs its course, but it, it's going to be exciting, man. Uh, to to see it all unfold. There's so many prospects on prospects within. All of these games, uh, you know, every single championship game for the Power Five, and even some of the group of five games, they have, have prospect-on-prospect matchups. I'm looking forward to. So it's it's going to be an exciting weekend, but we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah,
1: for, for me, what I, what I saw is the 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 committee said Alabama at two losses. I, I don't see how they, they – they, they, obviously, they can't hop Ohio State right now because like, neither team is going to play this weekend. And the committee's already decided Alabama or Alabama's two losses are worse than Ohio State's one loss. That's not going to change. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, it, it's never happened. Two Big Ten teams getting in before that'd be wild. That'd be nuts. Um, but if both of those teams lose, if both TCU and uh, and USC lose, which TCU they had they played a close game with K State already. It was a 10-point game in October. Uh, and again, as you said, USC's already lost to Utah once this year. So that's their one loss. So it's going to be a fascinating weekend to watch. Um, Devin, I don't know if we need to go to each of these championship games and and break down every single game. But tell me some of the specific matchups that you're most looking forward to in this weekend.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to start off a, a little bit different. I know everyone wants to look at maybe the SC championship. Uh, they have a a great edge on tackle matchup there, but I'm gonna go to the Mountain West. Uh, I love some Mountain West football, man. And two dudes in this game that you know I've been been on since last year and and saw their draftable talent, Jalen Skinner, J, excuse me, J.L. Skinner and uh Jalen uh Moreno Cropper uh in in this game, and it's gonna be fascinating. I don't think those two are gonna be matched up a ton, but those are two. Uh, playmakers on, on either side of the ball. Obviously, Jake Hayner, uh, you know, some has some fans out there. Probably one of those, uh, you know, later maybe day three guy, maybe UDFA type player. But but when I look at Cropper and look at Skinner, uh, those are two dudes I think could go in the first two three rounds. And and I'm really excited to see them uh, play. Last time they played in a regular season, uh, Hayner was hurt, so obviously Boise won that game comfortably. Uh but someone that uh a X factor in this game, I would say, is uh Taylor Green, the red shirt red shirt freshman quarterback for Boise. Um 6'4, like two twenty, two thirty, 230, uh very, very fast, uh dual threat athlete. Um, you know, he he's really connected on the deep ball a ton as well. So I think that's gonna be the X factor in this game. But Cropper and Skinner are are certainly the the headline for me uh when it comes to that game.
1: Yeah, we'll get into the, the big games, I'm sure, in much more detail. But I'm also like, and it's not even a 2023 NFL draft matchup that I'm excited about when I'm talking about the Mac Championship. But Daquan Finn and Curtis Rourke are both like dynamite football players to watch. And they've both been hurt pretty recently. So I, I don't I haven't checked their status for for the, the championship game. But if both those players are healthy and playing, the Mac Championship game has a l has has the ability to be a lot of fun between Daquan Finn and Curtis Rourke.
0: Yeah, they put up a lot of points. Uh, I believe Ohio has a receiver from Ohio State that transferred in there as well. I uh, can't remember his name off the top of my head, but uh I know a lot of the Ohio State guys, uh I think they actually went to an Ohio game, uh one on on some of them action as well. I saw Mar- Marvin Harrison and I think Jackson Smith and Jigba were there supporting him. So that that's something to watch as well. But Daquan Finn is a lot of fun. Um he, he had a Really, really nice performance against Ohio State earlier this year. So he's certainly someone uh, to to watch out for this weekend. I think he's healthy in playing because I, I believe he played the last couple weeks. Uh, O'Rourke, I'm not too sure about. But if they're both healthy, it's, it's going to be a lot of points scored in that game. Uh, you know, looking at some of the, uh, the Power 5 matchups that uh, we kind of alluded to, uh, I kind of take my mind to the SEC Championship. Uh, B.J. O'Jolari. Against Roger Jones, I think that's going to be fascinating, or Allie Gay as well, who just picked up a Senior Bowl invite. Um, mm-hmm. You really got the the speed and and uh, twitch ability of Ojolari going against uh, Roger Jones, who uh, you know he's someone that's that's powerful when and, and really I think could be at the top of the tackle class, but you got to worry about his balance. Something mean you mm-hmm. uh, noted about his game, so I'm I'm, I'm very interested to see. If he's able to handle uh, both Gay and Ojolari, they're both kind of different styles of pass rusher. So I'm very interested to see in that game in particular, um, of course, how that's going to go. And then the battle of the running backs, um, you know, Georgia does it by committee versus Harold uh, Perkins, who really is burst on the scene as a true freshman for LSU. He's, he's been probably their one of, if not their best uh, defensive player down the stretch of the season. So that 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 game there has a couple uh interesting yeah. matchups especially for, you know, in the trenches uh that, that I'm look, really looking forward to.
1: Yeah, Ojalari is a player when I I turned on his 2022 tape and I was like it, that's BJ Ojalari because his body transformation from last year to this year is unbelievable. That dude has rocked up this summer. Like his like his body type is noticeably different. From 2021 to 2022. It's bizarre. Um, and again, he's fluid. He's flexible. He's long. Got those big levers uh, and he knows how to use them. So uh, again, we're kind of on the same page with Broderick Jones. The tools are, are you, you can drool over those tools. Like the Brickishaw Ferguson was the comp I saw the other day and I get it. I get it. But again, he's still a little clunky with his technique. His, his arms are a little out of control. So he, you know, uh, I, I don't think his feet are the cleanest as they, as they can be. Uh, even if he does have all the mobility, all the foot speed in the world, I think, I think there's a lot of room for him to clean up his game and he's going to get drafted in the first round if he comes out regardless. But, uh, how he, how he can handle a guy like Ojolari, how he can handle a guy like Gay yeah, is, is going to be a, a lot of fun. Um, and again, we got a lot to talk about with USD because, you know, we'll, we'll hit on some, some 2024 quarterbacks who could go first overall this year if they were eligible. But uh, my favorite matchup is in this game. Uh, we've got a potential top corner in the class in Clark Phillips II going up against the, the reigning Bulitnikov winner in Jordan Addison. Like it does, it does not get better than that. And I I understand that saying Clark Phillips has potentially be the top cornerback in the class is a little bit of a hot take because it's a it's a pretty darn good corner, but he's a dog. Clark Phillips is a dog. And so this is gonna be a battle for sixty minutes. Uh I hope they let him follow. I hope they let him follow Addison because that's gonna be a world of fun. Uh, although I mean USC's got a ton of receivers, so I don't know if they can afford to let him follow, but because Mario Williams could burn you too. So uh but it's gonna be fun to watch.
0: Yes, yeah, it's, it's, that has got to be the the must must see matchup of the weekend. And when you think about it, man, uh, Jordan Addison went out of that first game uh, early. You know, I think like towards the end of the third or fourth quarter, he went out of that game. So USC and Caleb Williams was basically doing it, you know, kind of by himself because they had injuries starting to pile up. Uh, they have a linebacker Eric Gentry, uh, who I'm very fond of, six uh, six guy. I don't know how he's playing straight up linebacker, uh playing Mike sometimes for a USC defense, but uh he's uh he's got some talent for sure. Um and he, he got hurt too in that game. So I'm very interested to see on a neutral field on a neutral field how both these teams will kind of handle the pressure. For me, I've been super impressed with USC. You know, obviously Kayla Williams has a special splash plays, but to me, I think what's been most impressive about it is even when the game is tight, they, you know, it, he's, he's just a cool customer, man. Like, mm-hmm. if you need him to hit the whole shot, he got you. You know, if you need him to, to get five yards, he's going to do it. Uh, I think my favorite moment probably of the year for USC is, uh, Caleb Williams, I think it was like for fourth and six or seven against Oregon State on the road. Uh, he scrambles and, He's short of the first down this entire offensive line and pushes him for the first down. And to me, it's like, I know the talent is there. He gets the Mahomes comps, you know, people say he throws it like Mahomes plays like Mahomes. I'm not going to go that far, but, but he he's, he's the best college football player college football player and probably the best quarterback in college football right now. And, He's must-see TV, and I think Utah is not going to have an answer for them on Saturday or, or on Friday night, excuse me.
1: Yeah, it, it's a cliche. Every year, you'll you'll see it on Twitter. You'll hear it. People say, "Ah, this quarterback, like especially quarterback needy teams. Fans of him, they'll say, "Ah, this class isn't that good. Let's wait till next year." You know, this year, uh, I don't know if I believe in Bryce or CJ. Let's wait till let's let's tank for for um, for Caleb next year. Next year is going to come by and some team, somebody's going to say, ah, you know, I don't know about Caleb. Let's, let's wait till next year. Uh, but when we talk about Caleb Williams, we're talking about a different animal. Like, yeah, I, I can get it. Uh, there's a couple of, of big 2024 quarterbacks who are, who are playing this weekend, Caleb Williams and Drake May from, from North Carolina as well. So, uh, and I think it bears the conversation to talk about where would these guys be aligned if they were draft eligible? I think it's pretty easy to say Caleb Williams would be the first overall pick in a heart. Yeah. yeah. I think it's easy to say that yeah. guy's get, probably going to walk home with the hardware in New York in a in a couple of weeks. Like, there's not a – I don't think there's a better player in college football than Caleb Williams.
0: Yeah, um, he, he's certainly going to take home a hardware unless something just disastrous happens on Friday night. I don't foresee it.
1: Yeah, I, I don't either. It, it, it's amazing to me. Like, Bryce Young is a very good facilitator outside of structure. He's a very good creator out in chaos. He's a very good creator in chaos. And so is Caleb. But the way Caleb does it, I've never seen such like, it's like the game is still moving very slow for him, even when everything is chaotic around him. Like Bryce is, yeah, he's still he's still moving. He's still doing what he's got to do. But the demeanor of Caleb, it's like the game's moving really slow for him. As he's creating, as he's backpedaling, he's stepping up in pockets. He's, he's you know creating outside of structure. I, I, don't, I, I haven't seen anything like it in, re- in recent years. So Caleb's a tremendous talent that would go first overall this year. It would have gone easily first overall last year. Would go first overall next year. As we stand today, you know injuries always, crappy injuries always happen. Uh, but we got to talk about Drake May too from North Carolina, and I don't know where you stand with Drake. Drake's obviously really good, but the, the, obviously this, this conversation is is where would they be if they were draft eligible today? Right. Drake is really good. Caleb's on another level. Do you see Drake outside of the C.J. Bryce Young tier, or do you think? Ah, I think if he were eligible this year, we'd probably be mixing him up in there because for me i say like ah yeah drake's really good drake's a special talent but so is cj so is bryce does he do something that makes you say oh yeah if if uh drake was eligible this year he'd go first overall pick over cj at rice
0: i don't think so um i think for me i think when i watch drake may i feel him falling in love with the Wow! Plays, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like some of them aren't as necessary. Like Caleb Williams can do it, and he does it sometimes out of ne- necessity. Sometimes he just does it just because he know he can, knows he can. I think May sometimes gets himself in trouble doing that. Like straight up in the pocket, he can he delivers it all over the field. There's no problem. He has patience, you know. He has a touch, Um, you know. He's already starting to look off safeties, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, it's like there's a slight recklessness to Drake May's game that I don't quite see in Kayla Williams, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like May, like he knows he can take chances, but there are times where he can just make the simple play, but he gets a little too greedy sometimes. And, and all the gunslinger-type quarterbacks do – And then, of course, you got the issue of Phil Longo's offense. You know, like, Mm -hmm. is that sustainable? You know, like, is he going to regress next year? Because he's not going to have Josh Downs. And what is that going to look like? Even, uh, I think, Antoine Green as well. He's a senior. What is that going to look like? And that's the same thing. I feel like we're saying the same things we said about Sam Howell to a certain degree. And he lost Yami Brown. He lost Daz Newsome. He but...
1: was, yeah. He lost Michael Carter. He lost all those guys. Yeah,
0: yeah. I don't yeah. know if it's fair, but I, I think May will probably be right outside of that. Uh, you know, CJ and uh, Bryce bracket. But I still think mm-hmm. he'll be a first round guy because you got to mm-hmm. take the tools. But I, I think there's still a, l- a little bit of concern with, with some of he some of the things he does down the down.
1: Yeah, I think he's pr- probably firmly in that CJ Bryce bracket. But like, when 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 I'm grading prospects, like there's a difference between a first round grade and a blue chip prospect. You know what I'm saying? And I, I I'm pretty sure you you're similar to that. Like Caleb is as blue chip as it gets right now. Like Caleb is. We haven't had a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence where everybody knew the moment Trevor Lawrence even stepped a toe on Clemson that guy's going first overall in three years. Like everybody knew it like immediately. And I think Caleb's kind of in that same realm. Um, maybe not that polarizing where Trevor Lawrence was obviously the the best quarterback in the nation and, and carried like a moxie and this like persona that came with him everywhere he went, like as soon as he stepped on campus at Clemson. But, uh, Caleb is a blue chip and I don't think there's a blue chip quarterback in this class. And, and so I think that's, that's a huge difference, uh, when talking about these guys, you know, I, I think CJ and Bryce are both really good prospects. Like, um... I think there's some concerns with CJ's game that have that have shown up, and I think there's a little bit of recklessness with Bryce's games that's shown up as well. And he takes a lot, a lot of hits he doesn't need to take. That I've never seen a quarterback take as many hits as Bryce Young takes, never. So I think, I think there's room to to see both those guys. But with Caleb, yeah, of course you have things to work on. But like as we sit today, everybody's like, yeah, that guy, that guy's going one one next year. So yeah, I mean, I think that that,
0: yeah, I was gonna say, I mean, there's just like. You could pull probably about three plays from every game that he makes is just ridiculous. You know, I I just I I'm already thinking ahead to next year. I can already see someone saying this is not sustainable. I could already see someone saying you you can't do that in NFL and then he gets to the NFL. He does the same thing. You know, it it's just it's just already wild to you, you kind of project ahead. You you look ahead already and you already know there's gonna be someone you know, the helmet scouts, USC doesn't make any quarterbacks, you know, <laughs> it, he can't, you know, stay in the pocket and, and deliver passes. I, I hear all this already, but to me, I just don't think it matters. Uh, unless, like, he just turns the ball over like crazy next year, which I still don't see, considering they're still playing a Pac-12. He's been carving up every single defense every single week. Um, He's 1.1, 1. 1, man. Yeah.
1: And I think people forget he's 6'1 and 220 pounds. He's not a little dude. Like he's not a small dude. He's dense and he, he lets people know it. So uh in terms of body typing, he's not the same as Bryce Young. He's not the same as um uh, why am I blanking on like some skinnier quarterbacks every year? Like Lamar Jackson. He's not he's not that type of body type. He's a he's a big dude. So uh yeah. Caleb's electric. I love it. Uh let's transition to a team. To a, con- to, to a conference where obviously neither of these teams are playing in, in the Big Ten championship game, but there's quite a bit of offensive tackle talent in the Big Ten. Um, the place to start is probably the best one to say, I'm going to go back to school. A huge shocker. Maybe it's not huge. You know, I, I've had the pleasure of talking to Olu Fashanu out of Penn State, left tackle uh, out of Penn State. I, I had the pleasure, I would say, of, of being pretty early to the scene on, on Olu as well. Uh, after his start in the the bowl game last year against Arkansas and he's very much a family guy he's very much wired to do what's best for him and his family and so that makes me think that like yeah I I think he probably already knew I'm gonna finish my degree and then I'll, I'll see what's going on but huge news regardless this guy was kind of revered as a top 10 pick coming into this you know elite core strength elite grip strength elite foot speed like this dude doesn't budge off the spot when he takes a bull rush. Like this dude can catch outside shoulder like crazy. Like this dude is is the complete package. He's not a a mover in the ground game per se, but like as far as pass protectors go, there's not one. country. Uh, And so with that news of him going back to school now, uh, you know, some people have Roger Johnson, people have Paris Johnson, Peter Skronsky, you know, there's still a lot of talent at, at the offensive tackle position. But for me, that was my OT one. For me, that was like, that's the guy who's going off the board first. And now it's like, oh my God, like he he's not coming out. Uh, what was your reaction to that news?
0: Yeah, I was I was surprised. Um, I I did not expect that. Did not see it coming. Really, you know, for me in my mind, I'm thinking you know head of Penn State for next year. They're they're not going to have Fashanu. They're not going to have Porter, Jr. Who just declared uh, probably about an hour before we start recording this. Um, I'm thinking maybe in Parker Washington, maybe even looks to to make the jump, but. I don't know what James Franklin, you know, told him one-on-one. Obviously, you know, he talked with his family, but James Franklin probably sold him the the farm and told him, look, you know, we got Drew Alar, mm-hmm. and we're going to rock next year. And That I was my question. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, that I was my question. So. Is, as how much does having as much freshman talent like Nick Singleton and like a Drew alar how K-tron much does Allen. that? Katron Allen. Yeah, how much does that? impact an upperclassman's decision to say you know what I think we might be able to win the big 10 and more next year it's worth I mean Drew Allard is a guy again he's in northeast Ohio same as me so it's easy to, to have some affinity for him but like every moment he's come into college football this year that dude slings it. he can sling it so we're talking about the same biometrics that Will Levis throws with that people love about Will Levis this guy has it except he's accurate and he's smart with the football so I'm thrilled to watch Drew Allard next year uh and i do wonder how much that that young talent that penn state has they recruit like crazy every year impacts a guy like a 19 a year old like olu to say oh, i can wait till i'm 20 i guess yeah, he'd be 21 I, I, by the time man, I, then but
0: that, like i said i, I was surprised that they, he decided to come back but i get it this is uh kind of the business of college sports right now you know you you might have the the talent to make that jump, but, you know, at, at when you think about it on paper, at least, um, Michigan is really going to be at the top of the line in terms of competing for the Big Ten title. Ohio State, there's going to be question marks around the quarterback next year. They're still going to have Marvin mm-hmm. Harrison Jr. Uh, they might – I saw Brian Hartline might be making that jump to since he's, he's interviewing for the head coach job there. So, are they going to have all their pieces next year? That that's a big question mark. So, when I understand from that perspective, but still, I mean, he he's a he's a top ten pick in the waiting, and um, it, it's a it's a tough decision, man, because he, he's super young. He still needs to to hone in a little bit, but the the skill set is there, the the ability is there. Uh, he checks every box that you want. And even when he enters a draft next year, he's still going to be hitting all those thresholds, age threshold especially. So I get it, you mm-hmm. know, but you you just hope that, uh, you know, heading to next year, he stays healthy and and everything works itself out. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's that's the big thing is his health. That's the always the the unknown is you know things could happen. Always, David Ajabo popped his Achilles at a, like at his pro day, like stuff like that happens every year. And so that's, those are the kind of things that you just hope don't happen. But with Ola going back, there's a huge conversation about who the top tackle in the class is or, um, and two of them can be found in Columbus. Two of them can be found at Ohio state. Um, Dewan Jones is a senior. So he, you know, he's coming out. I would assume Paris is probably coming out too. You know, maybe he has a raw, like he has a, a bad taste in his mouth. He's never been bit into a, I guess his freshman year he did, but you know, they've lost to Michigan. He's never beat Michigan actually because 2020 season was COVID year and Michigan, Ohio state didn't play. So how much does that pay play into Paris's ability? But we have a little bit of differing views on Paris Johnson junior versus, uh, DeJuan Jones that bears bears talking to breaking those two players down, what we like and why we each favor. a
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll start with Dewan Jones. I'm, I'm a big fan of him. Um, in terms of what he brings to the table, set wise, bullying the run game. Um, you know, really has that link that, that you really like 36 inch arms. Um, to me, I think even though, you know, we had this discussion offline, even though there's concerns about, you know, like letting people get into his chest, um, being able to to counter some of those uh, those pass rush abilities um, and, and, you know, still trying to kind of take that next step as in potential elite pass protector, you have all kind of that skill set built in there but now it's just about consistency and I thought just from and I'm excited to go back and see the all 22 of the Michigan game but I thought he didn't play as well as I thought he was going to play in that game uh you know just didn't play as physical as I would have liked and for a guy of that size I I do worry about his physicality at times like he'll mow dudes down he'll Take him to the sideline. He's he's climbing to the second level um and, and really doing some impressive things that you want to see in a future tackle. But then there are times where, you know, he's getting beat, you know, at the apex of the pass rush. He's allowing people to get into his frame, even though he has those thirty-six inch arms. So to me, I think there's still some technical aspects of his game that I would like to see improve. But to me, I'm a guy that bets on tools and I I'm a guy that bets on kind of those some of those historical thresholds. I know there are some that, you know, kind of pass that test that may not hit those thresholds. Obviously, Rashawn Slater's one that comes to mind. But to me, I think that there is a, a foundation there for Dewan Jones to be successful at the next level and, you know, really kind of make that jump from being just good to really good or elite. And I think he has a skill set to do it. But to me, there are just some inconsistencies And especially against Michigan, I, you know, that, that may, you know, someone that has, in my opinion, I think he has like first round tools, but I think he probably goes in that like 32 to like 40 area because of some of those inconsistencies. And I don't know how well he's going to test athletically as well too. Mm -hmm. But I think when you look at kind of the overall body of work, I think it's a, a guy that's certainly a top 50 player in this class, but, How good is it? And I think that Michigan game could have been a chance to kind of solidify. Maybe he goes back in the first round.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I like DeWand, And apparently, obviously, there's a lot to like. Again, he's a massive dude. Was a basketball recruit coming, too, out out of Ben Davis High School of Indianapolis at his size. Um, And, of course, 36-inch arms. Like, you can't teach that. He's got things you cannot teach. But, you know, given his stature, I, I do see a lack of knee bend. You did mention that that he lets people into his chest. So, I mean, last year he saw a lot of top shelf pass rushers in the Big Ten. You know, Arnold Ebicchetti, Boye Maffe put him on a, in a blender week one last year. Uh, if you remember the the hump move that he hit, he hit Dewan with and set him flying. Ojabo Hutchinson, like the Big Ten had a lot of, of really strong pass rushers. So he kind of went through the gauntlet last year. And I didn't think he held up super well. His tape this year is a lot better. I mean, he dropped 30 pounds, you know, 30, 40 pounds this summer it's it's evident his foot speed is is a lot quicker i don't think his foot speed is necessarily elite but it's very good for a man of his size you know when we're talking about foot speed uh i do still think he has some of those same issues though you know i i don't see a lot of knee bends, so you know letting players into his chest uh struggling to protect his outside shoulder against bendy or more flexible pass rushers some things like that still tend to 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 catch him um which t- was why i tend to to favorite Paris Johnson, who right now is my offensive tackle one. Um, since Olu went back to school, I, I think Paris is the best tackle in the class. You know, he played guard for Ohio State last year um, and then moved to left tackle this year with Nicholas Petit-Ferrer uh, and Thayer Munzburg both graduating. And I think he's played really, really well uh, with him. His, his grip strength is is phenomenal. So when he latches, it's over. I think he drops his anchor really well. He knows uh, based on, on on pre-snap looks like, ah oh, okay, you know this guy's got long arms and he's coming at me from wide nine. I better be be ready to drop my anchor pretty quickly. Things like that. So I see a really good pass rush or pass blocking plan from Paris Johnson, and I think his foot his his foot speed is tremendous. His foot speed is tremendous. So uh, I think he's got beautiful feet, a beautiful base, um, very very balanced, very uh, never gets out over his waist. So uh, and I think he has the ability out of most offensive tackles in this class. I like Paris's ability to create movement. In the run game, more than most.
0: Yeah, I, I think you make some some really great points about uh, Paris Johnson's game. Uh, we we like I said we we had discussed it discussed it offline before. Uh, obviously, we did this podcast, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think to me, and I I agree. I think Paris Johnson right now is certainly the better tackle than DeWan Jones. Um, just when you think about everything that he brings to the table, I, I agree with uh his ability to to move people in the run game, uh his ability to counter uh in, in the past game, has his really quick feet, um, ability to mirror as well. Uh it's really impressive to to kind of watch him and, and see him uh you know grow over the over the course of the season. And you know, compared to Dewan Jones, I think you you're gonna see Paris Johnson with uh kind of less deficiencies and less of those games where he's getting just, you know, physically beat up, you know, kind of like DeWan Jones, like some of the tape he did last year. Uh, you know, against Ojabo and and obviously Boye Mafe as well, two guys that you know have moved on to NFL and and you know are going to be uh really good contributors for their teams. Uh, so so I I, I would agree a lot with what you said about Paris Johnson. I think you know with with Johnson, you know, I think he, he's going to continue to to grow his game. And 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 for me, I I can't dispute that right now he's the the pure better better tackle between Jones. And, and, and him. So, I like I said uh, about Jones, I, I still want to bet on those tools and, and, you know, assume that he's going to, you know, continue to grow in, in his craft. But Johnson right now is, you know, arguably the, the best tackle uh, or dra- best draftable tackle right now, you know, between him and Broderick Jones. I think with Jones kind of, I don't want to say similar to Dewan Jones, uh, or, but Broderick Jones for me at the very least, uh, a, a very toolsy guy, but but as we talked about, the balance issues and uh, some of the clunkiness to his game, uh, to me, are, are, are going to be a little worrisome. And I think it's going to be a big test this weekend to see it against LSU and then potential matchups down the road. Um, you know, maybe they end up playing Michigan again and obviously got Mike Morris and, and some of those other guys on Michigan's defensive line that, that can give him some issues. So I think for Jones... You're going to see what – I do want to see what he's made of, but you're with Roger Jones, you're going to see more tests, you know, of guys that are, are twitchy and bendy, uh, but also some of the power guys as well. So I want to see how he's going to be able to handle that. Not to say that he hasn't. You know, Byron Jones from Tennessee was, was someone that he, he faced a couple of weeks ago. So this is not to say that he hasn't been tested that much this year, but I think compared to some of the other guys in the big 10, uh, they, they have seen some, a little bit more significant, uh, you know, pass rush ability from, from some of their opponents.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fun, deep tackle class, you know, Broderick, Matthew Bergeron break, Blake Freeland, Anton Harrison just declared today. Uh, Jalen Duncan, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of really good tackle names in this class. Um, Kind of to wrap up the episode now, Devin, it's been a great premiere, a good pilot episode, you know, getting back into the seat here. Let's talk about three prospects, and we can alternate here, that have really caught your eye this year, that, you know, maybe weren't on the radar, maybe were, uh, Yeah, I might throw out four, who knows, Uh, I get really excited about this stuff, but but just start with one, you know, a guy, either, you know, he could be on the radar, and you're just like, yeah, he lived up to the hype, or, you know, this guy I I didn't really know about, and I turn on his tape, and yeah, he's a real deal.
0: I'm gonna go Ivy League, uh, Andre Isovis from uh Princeton, dude can fly. And mm-hmm. funny thing is, like, I was watching Princeton football. I know it sounds crazy to people listening right now, but I was watching Princeton football because uh part of my job at the Philadelphia Inquirer is like keep up with some dudes from Philly and they have a linebacker that uh that that starred at St. Joseph Joseph's Prep. Uh, you know, and now he ended up being their top tackler this year. But, you know, I got to watch Isavis play. And this is just broadcast. I, mean, I haven't even seen all 22 yet. But, I mean, he is just running by dudes, has track in his background, um, just absolutely, you know, he's, just, he's one of those guys that they're going to go down to the uh, the senior bowl. And, and I think he, he can have a Christian Watson-esque impact where, you know, he may not be ready yet to be that guy that you know runs those you know intermediate routes with with crispness uh, may not be that guy that is going to be able to to release fluidly but when he gets by you and stacks you uh you're beat you know he, he's got mm-hmm. that true straight line speed so for me the biggest thing for that i want to see especially down at the senior bowl uh, you know how is he going to be able to separate with with guys that are going to be in his hip pocket is he going to be able to make some of those contested catches is he going to be able to handle some of the uh you know the jams at at the line of scrimmage because as good as he was at, at the Ivy League uh you know the NFL you know we got some dudes that'll beat you up at the line of scrimmage so I want to see how he handles some of that physicality um you know especially at the line of scrimmage and and then what he does throughout the route but the tools are certainly there. Um, I don't know how high his draft stock is just yet. Still, kind to still kind of figuring out where exactly he's going to go. Right now, my gut tells me probably in that round four or five spot. Right now, just based on physical tools. But I think you know if he has a really good good Senior Bowl week, I think maybe you you see that shoot up a little bit. But but he's someone that's that's very impressive and and getting to see him in passing and then going back and looking at at the film. He, he is, he was the best dude on the field at all times.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I have watched a lot of, of Isavos as well. When I was watching Isavos as well, though, like I've seen Anthony Schwartz play a lot of football. I'm a Browns fan. Um, the dude who from Oregon, who who's the track runner who played for the Eagles in the preseason, um, you know, obviously didn't make the roster. I was expecting kind of the same thing with Isavos, you know, neither of those other guys are natural pass catchers, you know, they're, they're track athletes, you know, uh, but they look really uncomfortable running routes. They look really uncomfortable catching the football naturally. Uh, I still think Isavos is probably a, a lot of a straight line vertical guy. I don't see a lot of fluidity in his hips. I don't think he changes directions really well. So, uh, kind of that same straight line track guy, but. He catches the football really naturally. He's got very natural plucky hands. And so that was a pleasant surprise when I watched when I watched his tape. Uh, I, I probably think he's he's going to go day three, but he's going to get drafted based on that speed. He's going to get drafted based on that speed. Um, so I, I could definitely see, you know, that 115 to 140 range somewhere in there. Somebody taking a chance on Us. Uh My first guy, I'm going to go back to the Big Ten. Uh, again, I'm a Browns fan, so I've watched a lot of defensive tackle play because their defensive tackle play is very bad. So trying to find guys to replace whoever they have in that room. Uh, there's not a more fun defense in college football this year than Illinois. Not a more fun defense. Ryan Walters, the defensive coordinator has that team playing second in EPA per game and second in EPA per play in all of college football behind only Marshall, who's playing at the G5 level. That unit is stacked, is loaded it is so fun to watch. Uh, but my, the, 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 best player that I love watching on that team is, is their defensive tackle. Johnny Newton. He on Newton goes by Johnny six two two eighty. 280 So he's kind of squattier. You know, I, I think he's probably got a little bit arms on the shorter side, but he is slippery. He is strong. Uh, he understands how to win with leverage. Uh, and he's got a red hot motor, um, makes him a dynamic pass rusher. Uh, makes him, uh, just explosive in pursuit of the quarterback. He'll run sideline to sideline, tracking down a quarterback and working outside of structure. Um, But also two gapping and anchoring a a double against the run isn't, isn't lost on Newton. So uh, I love Johnny Newton's game. He's only a a redshirt sophomore. He's only 19 years old. So there's a chance he's not coming out this year. Uh, So, but we'll see he's eligible. uh, And if he does, I think he's a day two pick. I think he's a day two pick. Uh, He's that good um and i would love for him to be in in a browns uniform if it, if it came to that so uh just blown away by neville's tape
0: yeah you you talked a lot to a lot about him you know in in some of the group chats we're in and, and obviously to me haven't gotten a chance to watch him yet but but i'm definitely going to get around to to seeing what what he does and uh just how impressive he's been this season and Seemed like every time that, uh, you know, Illinois, you know, flashed across the screen, it was always those slow scoring slugfest type games. And that speaks to the defensive unit they've been able to build. So definitely excited to. They
1: fly around, man. I mean, there's not a meaner corner in college football than Devin Witherspoon. Not a meaner corner in football, in college football. And they've got a true uh... freshman edge named Gabe Akis. He's the true freshman. And this dude's a dog. Like they've all across Keith Randall. He's a fourth year sophomore, which is funny, but he's real good. Uh, So, I mean, that unit is just so much fun to watch. So much fun to watch.
0: Yeah, you, uh, I was going to say, you know, Witherspoon just appeared in uh, Dane's first round mock. So that just tells you how how good that defense is. I'm going to stay in the Big Ten too and go with another defensive tackle. I'm going to go with Keanu Benton. Uh, He is a dude that is just impressed me every time that I've watched him. Um, you know, from that Wisconsin Ohio State uh, Big Ten championship game a few years few few years back, uh, when he was able to make some plays, you know, as a true freshman, to now every time I watch him, he's flashing. He's and just he's so close to to sacks. He's so close to being a a dominant disruptive force, and he just needs another step, like you know, a quicker mm-hmm. way to disengage. But I think with the NFL seeing a lot of the rushing totals, like rush average yards per carry going up, he's gonna be a valuable dude to uh to two gap. So I think he's mm-hmm. gonna have value there, uh, to at least day two value. And I'm very interested to see what he does down at the senior bowl, because he, he's impressive on one on one pass reps. You know, he's able to uh you know get into the the chest of centers and guards and uh, you know, really control them and control them at the line of scrimmage. He, he's able to uh pull off some spin moves in the interior. Although you probably don't want a guy that's uh a nose in in the middle of your defense spinning, but it's very impressive from from what he's able to do. Every time you sit to watch him play, every time you watch Wisconsin play, there's probably not a lot, you know, outside of uh, if it's the only game on. But when you go back and look at the film, uh, you get so close to the, the sacks. Watched the Washington mm-hmm. State game earlier this year. There was a few times Cam Ward almost got taken down by him. He's, you know, in his lap, disrupting. So he's such a disruptive force. I want to see him continue to stack those moves, continue to disengage at a quicker rate, um, and do a better job handling double teams. I think sometimes he does, but sometimes he gets blown off the ball a little bit. You want to see him anchor a little bit better uh, and, and you know, kind of split those uh, double teams or take on one man and and kind of clog up the holes. I think teams are going to use him for that uh, you know, early on, but as he continues to develop his pass rush plan, I think he's going to be a really, really solid player in the NFL.
1: I think so too. I wonder if he would be better suited as like a three tech in a four or three. Like he plays a lot of shade at Wisconsin. He plays a lot of shade at Wisconsin. So I tend to wonder because he's got long arms and he is explosive and he moves really fluidly for his size. <sighs> I think his pad level creeps up at times. And so he he kind of neutralizes his own leverage, his own leverage points because he's got 34 inch arms. Uh, but I do wonder like, man, if they just kicked him out more than he's in, how would he look? Just a little bit out. Uh, so I do have those, those, those questions about Benton because I, I think the raw tools are exceptional with Keanu Benton. Um, I could talk about another defensive tackle and Byron Young if, out of Alabama if I wanted to. Some of the most fun tape I've watched this entire year. That Ole Miss game, Alabama old Miss game, is unbelievable. I won't talk about another defensive tackle, though. I will, however, talk about an edge rusher from the Pac-12 uh, in Leitu Latu from USC. So Leitu Latu is a very interesting story. So he's had multiple neck injuries uh, when he was at the University of Washington. University of Washington forced him to medically retire, to which he became a GA on their coaching staff, decided, I want to play again, uh, got medically cleared by UCLA, transferred to UCLA, and is having an unbelievable season with the Bruins. Unbelievable season with the Bruins. Uh, Leitu Latu uh, reminds me a lot of Jalen Phillips, which is funny because Jalen Phillips had to leave UCLA because they ruled him medically. They made him medically retire. So he had to go to Miami to get cleared. And in this case, it's UCLA clearing, clearing Leitu Latu. But uh, just Unbelievable fluidity. Uh, I, I like his first step a lot. His hands are extremely refined, extremely refined. Um, Leitou who's a fun, fun player. And and he's not even starting over the Murphy Twins yet at this point. And I think that that's probably medically, you know, for medical purposes, he's probably a rotational guy. He's probably a situational guy because of, of the neck. And so I do wonder how that neck is going to be viewed pre draft because the medicals are, are, aren't great. Um, but the same way with Jalen Phillips where he got, you know, the concussions and, and that got medically cleared. He went first round. I think lots, you can go top 50 if he gets cleared. Like if somebody clears his neck medically, I mean, he's got 11 tackles for loss and nine and a half sacks this year for the Bruins. And I mean, his tape is unbelievable. Uh, his pass rush plans, his ability to counter, uh, force oversets and, and, and the fluidity to take back the inside track when he does so is, is just a lot of fun. Uh, so He'll Leitu Latsu is, is that guy for me.
0: Yeah. Seeing some clips of him. You, you, you sent me some clips. I'm, I'm extremely intrigued. Obviously medicals, like you said, is, is going to be the big sticking point, but you know, certainly what he brings to the table and then uh, just the, the baseline and, and what he's able to do a uh, quick first step explosiveness. So guy, and I'm, I'm very looking forward to watch him. Final guy I want to discuss is uh Virginia tech, uh, like nickel safety. I, I guess you call him a big nickel Shamari Connor. Um, he's a guy that you know played on a a very disappointing team this year but you know i've gone to to watch you know about three four games from this season even going back to last season i was impressed with what he was able to do you know as a a guy that they you know ask a lot of them uh brent Mm pride took over as a uh, as a head coach of that program and obviously they had a disappointing season but they asked him to cover essentially the best slot guy that a team has so it anywhere from a small slot receiver to a big tight end um very impressed with his physicality he's someone that that flies to the football he's kind of built a little bit like a linebacker like he's kind of that he's built like a one of those tweener guys one of those tweener safety linebacker guys so you kind of worry a little bit about where exactly he's going to fit he's going to be down at the senior bowl so I'm very interested to see where he's deployed but to me, I think he can be a guy that matches up with tight ends. I, I liked him in that tight matchup the best. He had some really nice reps against Jelani Woods last year, uh, you know, going back to, to someone that, you know, obviously ended up being a third round pick. Um, he has some really good reps against Zach Koontz, who I was high on coming into the season from old dominion. Uh, he really Indeed. shut him down when they were matched up one-on-one uh, has some nice reps against Will Mallory as well. So he's, he's a guy that, To me, I think he's certainly a day three guy. He has a lot of special teams uh, snaps. I think he has over or getting close to a thousand special team snaps in his career. So he's going to be a core special teamer. But I want to say probably his stock is a little bit around where Tyson Anderson last year's was like in that like round five, six guy. Someone that's going to stick around for a while. I think he's going to be a matchup dependent player. I don't love him against slot. Receivers, I don't love him as a true safety, but, but I like him as a big nickel potential, uh, a, a tight end, uh, a racer potential as well, too. Has some good ball skills. Um, really a well-rounded player. I don't think he's going to be someone that blows you away when you watch him, but he's going to be someone that that sticks around for, for quite some time and, and finds NFL home.
1: I love it. I love it. I'm also going to stick with like a slot, slot nickel kind of guy, slot nickel safety kind of guy. Uh and I'm gonna go to Florida State. And this isn't an an unheard of name. Jamie Robinson is a household name. But I think Jamie deserves some love. He's gonna be at the senior bowl as well. But again, he's got 29-inch arms. He's kind of undersized. You know, he's probably not gonna test well off the charts. But there's something about Jamie that makes me want to put him in that same archetype as an Elijah Moulton, as a Buddha Baker, you know, where they got knocked for the same kind of things, but at some point. Like, a dog is a dog. Like, Buda Baker's one of the best safeties in the NFL for a reason. And I think I kind of see that same it, – it's it's hilarious because it's like a vibe check. But that dog in him, you know, J- Jamie's got that dog in him. But he can play in the nickel. He can play over the top. He's not afraid to step into the box and, and fit a gap. Like, I love Jamie Robinson. And so, you know, if he falls to round end of the round three, early round four, like, yeah, give me that guy on my team. I will take that guy on my football team. So uh, Jamie Robinson is a guy who – You know He might get knocked in the draft, but he's going to come in and he's going to contribute day one to an NFL football team. Uh, And I would take that guy on my team every day of the week.
0: Yeah, and I like how we kind of finished it off with guys that are not going to be first or second round picks because I think that kind of gets lost in draft talk a little bit. Everyone wants to talk quarterbacks. Everyone wants to talk receivers and and those skill positions, but there are guys that got to fill out those rosters and every year we see it, you know, a fifth, six, seven round guy, uh, you know, ends up being a key contributor And you know, a prime example of that you look at the commanders, Derek Forrest was a guy that I think went round five or six came in, worked and and now he's playing Cameron is another example on that same mm-hmm. team. So the, these guys are, you know, may not be the uh, premier or marquee guys, but, but they're, they're going to be important for, for teams going down the road. And, and the more you handle those day three, uh players uh the better you're off your team is because you obviously you want to see those day one and day two players contribute but the more you can can get those guys turned into something more than just backups or or core special teamers i think that's when you really start to hit the jackpot so i'm, I'm very excited to talk you know going forward of not only about some of the stars in in the class but but some of the guys that you know kind of get lost in the shuffle too
1: absolutely absolutely Devin it's been a great first episode. We're back in the seat. This is just the beginning. We're not even done playing college football yet. So the draft season is, is in its early infancies, although it's always draft season. So you could say it's about its, its midlife right now. But uh just at the beginning, you know, we got a great slate of games. We'll get into the college football playoffs and then straight into the pre-draft process. Well, we'll talk combine. We'll talk pro days. We'll talk any rumor that's out there, any news that's out there. Uh, But we're just getting started and it's it's great to be back in the seat. It's great to have you here with me. Uh to get this Daft on Draft podcast off the ground.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, excited to to continue this going forward. And like I said, it's just the beginning. Uh but but very looking looking very forward to uh you know being able to do this uh every week and, and you know, maybe we'll continue to ramp it up uh, as the draft season intensifies.
1: I'm doing my best to restrain myself from from letting a let's ride go as we exit the podcast. So uh, until next time.